Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. And I felt like God say, how's your heart? Can you imagine if we actually asked people that when we haven't seen them in a while? How's your heart? How's your heart? It would freak people out for starters. I, I wouldn't recommend that we all start doing that right away, but unless you're prepared for some answers. But honestly, we're in this season right now where people are traveling and getting together and seeing family and friends that they haven't seen in a few years in most cases, um, connecting in different ways. And, and we want to say, like, are you, are you good? Did you, you know, did you maintain your job? Are you still got your house? Are you okay? Like, you guys fared okay? But what we really need to know is, how's your heart? How's your heart? And the heart is this inner thing that we can disguise and we can hide or we think we can, but chances are the people around us know what's really going on um, sooner than we do. Um, the, best, the best facade leaks. Have you noticed? And you start to get people asking you back, like, what's with you today? Like, do you need a, do you need a break? Do you need a, that people start asking things back because it, it starts to come out and it's important that we pause. And I really feel like even this summer, because of where God is moving in the earth and what he is about to unlock and unleash, it is important that we pause and allow him to ask us that question. How's my heart? How is my heart? He already knows. When he asks that, it's not that he doesn't know. He, he wonders if you know. How's your heart? And so weirdly enough, I didn't have any like giant trauma to get over or anything like that. But, you know, what did I do with my, my holiday? I had visions of, you got to understand, I, can't, I grew up in the 80s. So I have my tanning lotions, tanning oils, minimum SPF. You know, uh, I stopped short of the baby oil, but it's, it's you want to you wanna sit outside and Broil. Um, it's not summer until your skin sizzles a little bit, that, that kind of thing. Um, I, I know there's people freaking out right now, but <laughs> it's just a thing. So I got all my like Hawaiian tropic laid out and I'm ready to go. I got like all my cold, you know, variety of bubblies in the fridge and I'm like, I'm settling in. Then it like, it rained. It was windy, trees are glowing past my window. I'm looking at my tanning lotion. I'm like, oh. and God's like, how's your heart? It wants to be out there. Like, you knew this was my holiday. Do you hate me? Like, what is the, so guess what I ended up doing? Cleaning my office. I know, woo. Uh, but, but here's the thing. I started going through and I'm like, you know, I'm going through first off my closet and I'm like, I don't wear that. I don't wear that. I don't like that. I, somebody gave me that, blah, 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 blah. And I start realizing how much stuff is in my closet that I can, women understand this, men are still baffled by it. But when you can, you know, we've got like a walk-in closet. When you can walk in a full room and be like, I have nothing to wear. And husband's like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> well, no, because I can't wear that or that or that. And I hate that. I'm sick of that. So once I, you know what? I took out three garbage bags of clothing out of my closet to give away. So if anybody's at like Value Village, you'll, you see my clothes, you're welcome to them. But um, it felt so good. 
It felt so good to be like, I mean, there was considerably less in the closet, but then I'm like, what is there I like? What is there is, it makes me happy. And so then I started going like looking at other things and other places. And, and because of crisis, the last couple of years, things just have snowballed on me. And so I can't stand mess. Um, I'm kind of a neat person, but that doesn't mean that it's clean. It means that there are piles of things hidden everywhere that I will deal with later. So if you might look around and it's like, wow, it's nice and clean in here, but you don't open the closet because in the closet are the piles of the things that I can't deal with right now. And so I, I started, I'm like, okay, I, I like, I put it off, man. I like, I, I would delay in the morning. Okay, today I'm hitting that hallway closet. Today I'm hitting my library. Today I'm, and, and I, oh boy, it'd be like 4 p.m. in the afternoon that finally I'd open it up. Okay. And, and I started with like just going through the surface stuff and realizing like the, these last couple years, like some of the messages, some of the things, I am one of those people who doesn't super trust the imaginary cloud. So I type out my messages, I save them in a couple places, and I print them um, in case they disappear from somewhere. And I've got a hard copy, right? So I've got papers of sermons all over the place that really, when I have them stacked up on my desk or I have them stacked up in a corner, what I'm saying is, um, please tell me this matters. It's got to matter enough that I can't throw it out. It's tell me it matters, right? And then underneath that sort of stuff was a bunch of stuff from when my dad passed away two and a half years ago, two weeks, we had his funeral two weeks before COVID. Anything that happened in that time was the next layer under the pile, right? Just stuff that I, I can't deal with this right now because I don't have time to deal with it because we're going into crisis and everybody's in crisis. And underneath that was the first couple years of being here at the church. And um, that was really quick learning curve. And so everything that happened in that time that wasn't an immediate emergency just got put in a pile to deal with later. Then underneath that, I know, Anybody remember Rev Cry? We used to have monthly citywide prayer meetings. All the Rev Cry stuff. Underneath that was all the Praise 24 stuff. We had 12 years of citywide worship events that when that ministry, we felt to just close it down for a season, it was, again, 12 years of my life. Tell me that that matters. I can't throw that out. I can't, I got to find some place for it to go. I've got to find a spot for it. And, you know, really, it, it, why didn't somebody pick it up? Why didn't this go somewhere? And so I've got to file that somewhere. Underneath that... I know, right? You're like, oh my gosh, she needs therapy. I need to book an appointment with a pastor or something. <laughs> Underneath that, I've been here five years. Um, there was a five-year gap before that where I was doing itinerant ministry. And before that, I worked here at the church for 12 years. So when I resigned here at the church, um, and it was, God had called me out, it was a season, but I had all these like little things um, you know, just stuff from my desk, different things that um, when, I, when I packed up my office and I took it home, I remember sticking that box um, in my office and I put some things in my desk, which is the desk I still use, so it's on the bottom of the piles. 
And it was the stuff that I didn't know how to process because in all honesty, when I resigned here, I went through this period of grieving going, who am I without a title? And I would call people, that was kind of before texting was too big of a thing, so you actually had to call people, it's horrible. Actually phoning people, it's awful. But um, I would call people and I, would, I hated it even more than normal because I would pick up the phone and it's like, hi, this is past, it's um, Mrs. Quist? I don't even know what my name is. When you take pastor off of it, when you take my position off of it, when you take the stuff that I've been doing, that I've immersed my life in, I am, I'm actually struggling with who am I? And so all of these things, it was like this interesting process, quite the holiday, honestly, guys, uh, of walking through and actually, God, I'm disappointed about this. Actually, God, I'm really cheesed at these people about this. Actually, Lord, I have massive question marks about this. Lord, I'm, I, I don't know how to process this. I don't know what this was for. I don't know if, if, if I felt like you called me into this and it doesn't exist anymore, what's the value? It's these things that are not things that I think all the time, but they're the things that are tucked away that end up shaping how we react moving forward. I'm telling you, it was like the most amazing experience. It took days to go through the stacks, to go through the piles. My office, I almost posted a picture of it just so that you could see how beautiful everything is. And then I remembered I have an office here too that probably needs the same thing. But I'll deal with that another time. But uh, the process of actually making sure that I'm clear to move forward. Because the reality is we all pick up these little bits and these little things that, that uh, a long life, we wouldn't say it's maybe a big deal, but it is cumulatively. It becomes like the inside of our heart can become like this gravel patch of just little stones that you're tripping over. And you wouldn't say that there's a boulder in the way, but the little gravel bits actually cause you problems. And I was thinking about this. Um, I mean, we got all these like road situations in our city right now. Praise God for construction season. We have many men who work in the construction industry in our church, so we're grateful for it and we'll be really grateful when it's done. But... Um, it's necessary, right? Because have you noticed these places where there's like these, like I've never, we've had potholes forever. I think it's just the dramatic increase of temperature and whatever here. But these like sinkholes that we've got lately where you're driving along, like Safeway, I think had one where it was, you're like, a car could go in there. Like, and we'd never see it again. Like what, what is that about? And so the reality is um, a pothole is actually formed by this is so educational, you guys. A pothole is actually formed by there's, there's cracks in the surface, and because there are cracks in the surface, moisture gets in and it runs down a little bit deeper and it starts to destroy something. It destroys the surface from underneath and it begins to loosen it off and chunks of the pavement go with the tires and with the wind and whatever because something has cracked on the surface. Sinkholes are the opposite. Sinkholes, there can be a solid surface. It's looking really good on the outside, but underneath it, there's a water flow or there's some movement where the moisture is expanding and contracting. And as it moves out, the bottom just drops out. We were on vacation in um, Mexico one year and we were like, they were asking us which way we were headed back to the hotel because they had lost an entire chunk of road, had just like dropped out. And it was this undercurrent that was going on. So the point is, 
often, if there's a crack in the surface or something that's going on and moisture gets in or something gets in around and underneath, maybe you didn't expect it to hurt like it does, but it does. And so underneath, when that stuff leaks in, it causes things to, to loosen up and you begin to have pieces of yourself blow up all over the place and other people see that. Other times it comes out of nowhere and you're like, I, I really thought it was more stable than this. I had no idea that I, I could fall or stumble or hurt like this, but it's because there's something underneath. So this is like that sinkhole. There's something underneath that's never been properly dealt with. And so as the, the pressures of life come and go, that thing just drops out and suddenly becomes obvious on the outside. And people will say, I never saw that coming. I totally thought they had it together. You're like, I totally thought I had it together too. But the problem is what is going on underneath? And so this is what we want to get into today is just this question. And I'm not asking you to analyze yourself. I'm saying that these are the things that God is asking because he wants to make sure that we are ready to go the distance. We want to make sure that whatever residue, whatever pains, whatever things are going on, that we're dealing with them properly with him. And what I find sometimes is some of the strongest people are some of the most hurting people because we've learned to game face it. You can suck it up. You can tough it out. You can, but what, what is strength in initially becomes a hardness over time. And hardness is a problem. And so we want to go there and we want to ask God to reveal these things. Proverbs 27, 19 says that as water reflects, uh, as water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. So when we look at the heart, when we allow God to look at the heart, it reveals who we really are. This is not about goal setting. This is not about what I want my life to be. It's like, what's really going on? My heart is going to reveal who I am. There's this thing that happens in the heart. And the idea of the heart is that it is the internal being of who we are. It's the, uh, essentially when it's uh, mentioned in the Bible, it's understood to be the inner thoughts, the intent, or the belief of man. It is the core of who we are. It's what is underneath it all. So in its natural state, the Bible actually tells us that the heart is a problem for us. The heart does not, we don't come out of the womb with a good heart. We come out in, in a place that is damaged and into a place that's damaged. And there begins to be this thing that stirs up on the inside of us that needs to be healed, restored right off the bat with God. Jer Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Ouch. The heart is desperately, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So in other words, there's this thing that goes on the inside of us that if we are not careful about the condition of our heart, this is its natural state. If we are not consciously aware of the condition of our heart, this is its natural state. So we drift towards this. Remember when we talked about culture as a church, and we'll be talking about it again before fall. But the culture concept is whatever we don't purposefully pursue, we will allow to drift to its previous situation or previous condition. So if our heart is not tended for, this is where it drifts. And so I love this quote by Todd Wagner. He says, you don't follow your heart, you inform your heart. 
You can't follow your heart, because we'll say that to people, well, follow your heart on it. Well, if you're not actually submitted to God and your heart's not in a healthy place, it will lead you wrong. And so you don't follow your heart, you tell your heart, you inform your heart of what it wants, what it desires, who it belongs to, what it's supposed to function like. We have to shift our understanding from what it, you know, this, this in my heart of hearts, this is what I want. Well, has it been submitted to God? Is your heart actually whole? Is, is this actually in conjunction with him? Because your heart is only well in him. He takes the heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh. He gives us the heart transplant that we need, that we want. And I find it very interesting. I'm not getting into medical stuff or anything today, but um, I, I just think it's really interesting following the COVID situation. One of the, um, one of the notable track records that you can see in most of the big hospitals um, across North America is that whether it's um, from actually having COVID, from vaccine side effects, from whatever, there is this trail of heart problems that starts to show up. And very often the natural and the spiritual mimic one another, that, the, that whatever's going on in the spirit is showing in the natural. And I think it's very interesting post this season that we have a lot of people with some heart problems going on spiritually. We also have a lot of people with heart problems going on physically. And the, the physical body is reflecting the heart stuff. And so we want to look at what is it that God says about the heart. Mark 7, 20 to 23 is one of these super interesting passages where Jesus is really blunt. And he just says it. It's not in a parable. It's not a, you know, it's, it's just blunt teaching. He says, for from within, out of the heart of men... Out of the heart of men, this is Mark 7, 20 to 23, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Isn't this interesting? So this is actually in this passage, the whole, uh, the whole chapter where Jesus is talking about this. He's talking about you're so obsessing about what's going on on the outside. You're so obsessed about doing the right religious things. You're following the right religious patterns. But what you don't understand is if it's coming on the outside, it's come from the inside. You can't fix the inside from the outside, but you can fix the outside from the inside. Are you with me? We're so often, you know, we find our ourselves, we stumble in certain areas and it's like, where did that come from? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I'm struggling in this area. And we try and deal with the circumstances around us. And God says, no, pause and check your heart. Check, your, check what's going on inside because the outside wouldn't have influenced you if the inside was okay. The inside needs to be made right with God. And so concerning the outside, check the inside. When we walk through this, we want to see certain things that are track records through all of history. This is not a new teaching. This is how the Bible indicates to us we work, is that the inner man motivates what's happening on the outside. And so King David and Solomon, his son, talk about the heart on repeat. When you read Proverbs and Psalms, if that's all you read, you will get some really good theology on who God is and who he intends you to be. And King David was a man, remember, after God's own heart. He was after the heart of God. And God said about David, he said, I don't look on the outside like man looks. I look on the heart. 
and he found in David a man after his heart. So the whole outside stuff, we can get so bent about it. Like, I can't believe they said this. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe this is happening. I'm so frustrated with this and angry about that and whatever. That is not the point. The issue is always going to be what's going on in the heart. And so King David had this, this prayer that we know, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, and he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't that good? Now, keep in mind, God already knows David's heart. So God's not, or David's not saying, like, I'm giving you permission to search my heart. God's like, I already did. Um, What he's saying is, I'm giving you permission to search my heart and tell me what you see. Ouch. Right? Search my heart and tell, tell me what you see. Now, why, why would it have been important for me in this season to deal with my boxes and my piles? What was revealed to me is that because I have done pretty well the last couple of years, actually, I felt like I was doing pretty well. But when I started going through the stacks of stuff, it wasn't just all the stuff from the last several years. It was anything that was connected to an emotion. So I am good at get it done. I am not good at feeling it. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to cry. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to know the hurt. I want to just know the solution. I want to move forward with it. And so on some level, there were everything that was packed there had some little element of ouch or, you know, missing, longing, grieving, whatever, some little bit of emotion that I would rather have not faced. But eventually, you got to go there. So I'm being pretty honest with you. Like, this is, this is my thing. I have not been a walking wreck or anything like that. I don't, I don't feel like there's any major issues in my life. But the little stuff matters because I don't want anything in the way. I don't want anything clogging the pipe of what God wants to pour out. I don't want anything that stands in the way of his spirit flowing in this house, in my life, in our family. I don't want anything that's going to cause there to be some kind of a current that shouldn't be there. I I don't want to be the person who screws it up when God wants to move. And I miss what he, he had intended for me to experience. If you've spent any time at a river or a creek this summer, you, you see how the water goes around the stones that are there. The water flows straight and true when there aren't stones. I don't want to have the stones in my life that cause the flow of the spirit to be distorted it, it, to anybody or anything around me. I don't want to damage anybody because I'm in the way of what he wants to do. I don't know if anybody saw there was a, there's a really good documentary that The Chosen put together um, this summer, like beyond good. But essentially, you know, you can go to these things um, where you like, you come and be a test audience for a TV show or movies, pilot series, that kind of thing. And you sign up for it and, you know, just for a weekend and you don't know what show you're going to watch, but you go in and you watch it and then you, you know, do the interview, you give your feedback, that kind of thing. So they on purpose uh, selected a group of uh, Gen Z 
who do not attend church, either used to attend church or don't attend church at all, whatever. They didn't know that's why they were getting selected, but it was obviously a demographic, a, a young age, and they brought them in, and as they sign up for the weekend, they get told, you're watching The Chosen, like the entire first series. And instantly they're like, oh, and they do just like a little bit of an interview. And, um, you know, th these are very antagonistic young people. They're like, I'm not into the God thing. I used to attend church. I don't see any point in it. I was raised in a cult. I, I just have no, no care for it at all. Uh, t right to the far extreme, like I believe in many gods. I'm a pantheist, I'm, you know, whatever. And so they watch this show and then they, they show the camera kind of pans them from episode to episode. And most of them are sitting there crying through it. And uh, it's super interesting because they interview them afterwards and the one young guy, um, you know, what did you think of the show? And he's like, you know, that's what I, that's what I wish Jesus was like. That's what I hoped he was like, but I was raised in a cult and my first experience with the church was as an eight-year-old boy sitting uh, in the second row and the pastor came off the stage and yelled in my face and started yelling about me about rebellion and uh, that if, if I wanted to show rebellion, he would take me out behind the house and beat me. And uh, he's like, I, I just associated God with, with that, and, but if this is Jesus, I, I would like that. And then there was a girl who started talking and she's like, you know, when I was young, my, um, we moved towns and we came to this new town and my mom took me to church and, uh, you know, nobody knew me. So I was just kind of pretty open and on, honest with who I was. And I, I feel like maybe I was too honest because immediately the abuse started and she was sexually abused at the church on repeat. And, um, she said, I remember one time it was actually happening in the church bathroom and an elder came in and saw it. And I thought, finally, it will end. But nothing was ever said or done. And she's weeping. And she's like, but this Jesus, this Jesus, I, I, I would like that. And there was another young girl and she was saying, you know, when he's ministering to all of these people, he's talking to all of these people and they come from all these really broken places and they've done these terrible things. And I just feel like maybe, like maybe it's saying that he's, he would do that for me too. Like maybe where I've come from and maybe the stuff that I've done, maybe Jesus would, would be there for that too. And then they take them and they go into a group room for group discussion. And the guy who plays Jesus is hosting the discussion. And they all walk in and they're just like, whoa. And, and you know, he shares his own personal testimony with Jesus and how God's ministered in his life. And he just says, do you guys have any questions? And where are you at with God? And there's this one young guy and he's like, you know, I don't believe in one God. I, I believe in many gods. And when I was young, I, uh, I started studying like Egyptology and whatever. And so I kind of believe in like multiple gods. And so, um, you know, I don't know how I feel about this, but it was really good. And, and so the guy who plays Jesus, I should have got his name. Anyway, he's, uh, he's like, so like you, how do you relate good things that happen in your life or bad things? He's like, oh, I, I like thank God for it and whatever. And he's like, you said God, not God's. He's like, oh yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth on that. And he's like, you go back and forth on the belief or on saying it? Well, I, I don't know. And so this guy who plays Jesus is like, you know what, I just feel like it's okay for you to explore the questions with God. It's okay for you to give him a try. It's okay for you to see 
what Jesus is all about. And I really believe that God wants you to know that he's there for you, that he loves you and that he sees you. Well, this young guy who's all tough and, you know, gang looking, just starts crying and uh, is encountering God. And he's like, I don't know how to explain. He's like, I know this guy's an actor, but I feel like when he's talking, like God is talking to me. I want my life to be the kind of life that when people hear me talk, they feel like God's talking to them. We want to be the kind of place that when people encounter God here, they don't go, if that's God, I never want to experience that again. We want to be the kind of place where we're not operating out of our hurt to the point that we can't help but cause hurt. We want to make sure that we have dealt with the stones in our lives so that the things that come out of our life are pure and holy and righteous. I'm not saying radical, random, crazy sin. I'm saying there are things that can cause us issues on the inside that portray Jesus in a way on the outside that is so confusing and so upsetting. And if we really knew Jesus we would love him with everything we've got. If people could really know Jesus, and they do, they would love him with everything they've got. I was thinking this morning, Wayne and I were listening to this song, um, Too Good Not to Believe. Has anybody heard that one? It's like so good. Um, and in the bridge of it, they say this. They say, we've seen cancer disappear. We've seen broken bodies healed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen troubled souls delivered and we've seen addicts finally freed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. And we were sitting there listening to that this morning and Wayne and I were like, you know, this is not just a song. Legitimately, in this family, we have experienced every single one of those things. Every single one of those things. And on repeat, I'm telling you what, this is, this is the reality of who Jesus is. This is the reality of what we walk. And sometimes when we don't see these things come to pass in our lives, sometimes we struggle with, why didn't that happen for me? Then if he can do it, why didn't that happen for me? And the issues that we're facing in that, it comes back to the soil of our heart. It comes back to we have to, because that is who he is, no matter what. Sometimes we're going to maybe live the rest of our lives with a why. Maybe we're going to live the rest of our lives with I don't understand. But we have to be anchored on this is who he is. He is good. He is always only good. But if we allow those stones in there, it hardens us up from the interaction with him that we're supposed to have. And there's this incredible thing when we experience the fullness of God even in pain that translates so beautifully and so powerfully to all those around us. We want to just pick up today, and I'm going to kind of cross through this because, again, this is our hearts that we're talking about. Matthew 13 is a story of the, the parable of the sower and the seed. We know it well. It's well stated in three books of the Bible, and so it's, it's on repeat 
It's one of the parables that Jesus actually explains in clear detail, which lets us know that we're supposed to get it. This is something that we don't even have to hunt for, dig for. It is explained to us clearly, and it's talking about our hearts. Just as you flip there, Matthew 13, Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. That is not guarding it from people. It's guarding it for God. Seriously. Sometimes we are actually disguising hurt as guarding, and that's not the same thing. Guarding our heart is staying soft before the Lord. It's walking in peace. It's walking in forgiveness. It's walking in love. It's walking in kindness. But guarding it for the Lord means that we are choosing to live set apart and different. We decide what comes in and what doesn't. We decide what we allow access or not. And that is not about people. It is about the circumstances of life. And so Jesus talks about this, and he, he doesn't address people. He addresses the spirit, the atmosphere that's going on. And so if we pick up Matthew 13, and we're going to read 1 to 9 for starters. It says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered together to him, so that he got in the boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. This was not a here's just for the disciples. This was the big preach. This is, here's what you need to know. He spoke to them many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then down to verse 18, it says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Now remember, so this is the good news of the kingdom. This is like everything we've been talking on since January and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony place, this is he who receives the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles." Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. So specifically Jesus is saying here that this soil is the state of the heart. It's, it's really, where am I at? Where is my heart at? I find it interesting because sometimes we like categorize this as different kinds of people. I believe it's more, where am I at right now? Yeah. I think we can go through phases where we're any one of these things, where the, the, the word can come, there's a revelation, there's a truth, but I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. 
So I'm that one where the seed just bounces right off. I believe there are times when we go through and there's some little stones in the path and there's some things that are going on. And, and yeah, it's exciting. We went to a good conference. It was really good, but it doesn't stick. It doesn't work when the fire comes. There's times when we get immersed in the things of life and we lose that relationship in, in, to the depth and the degree that it should be. And there's times when we're good soil. What's not in question is the quality of the seed. See, what happens is hard things go on, we get hurt, we get disappointed, stuff doesn't turn out like we thought it was going to turn out, whatever it is, and we blame God. Like, oh, if that's God, I don't want any of it. If that's church, then I don't want any of it. We blame the seed, but the seed is always good. The seed will always bear good fruit if it lands in good soil. And so what we can, we can't affect the seed. We can't, we can't affect the circumstances, but we can affect the quality of the soil. That's our internal job. We can do that self-check and ask God to show me, search me, oh God. Know me, try me, see what's in there. You tell me, I can make sure that my heart is right. I always said this with the worship team, and I think I've passed it on to Mel a bunch of times, but I'm like, I will take heart over talent any day of the week. Any day of the week. Because the heart can't be adjusted from the outside in. It has to be adjusted from the inside out. Talent can be added. We can, you can learn a skill. In fact, some of the best athletes in the world who are, who are having like global successes, their uh, coaches will say they were not a natural talent at the beginning, but they work hard. So they can add the skill set. They can add the ability from the outside, but they had the heart to pursue. God leaves the heart business to us to the degree that we'll surrender to him is the degree he can work with us. We have to deal with this stuff. And so this heart thing, it's a really big deal. Okay. <laughs> Still with me? I can preach for three years, but I won't. Um, <laughs> our four conditions then are, number one, the wayside. Number two, the stony places. Number three, the thorny places. And number four, the good ground. The wayside. So the word comes, we don't understand it. The wicked one comes and snatches it away. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But if you've got your Bibles open, you can uh, look back to the chunk that we're not covering too much today. And it says in um, verse 14 and 15, it says, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and seeing not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. So obviously there's people who are just not ready to receive yet. It's not their time. You know, they're, they're in their own spaces. But I believe even as believers, we can have a spot where we decide, I don't want to hear. People can come to you and they could be like, you know what? I really believe you need to forgive. If you knew what I was dealing with right now, people can come to you and say, you know what? I think you need to sow your way out of this financial situation. Honestly, when you're as broke as I am, then you can talk to me. You know, I really believe that you need to choose this in your relationship. Well, seriously, you've been you just blessed with a great relationship. So I don't even want to hear from you. You don't know what it's like to be in my shoes. Sometimes we don't want to hear what the kingdom of God has to say in our circumstances. And so that's just that in inner spot. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
So there is a place. The word also talks about how our hearts can be seared because of the repetitiveness of sin. So sometimes we actually like to be where we are. We're comfortable with it, even if it's uncomfortable. We're comfort with, uh, comfortable with the discomfort, and so we choose to stay there. That's, that's something. That's not God's fault. That's on us. We can decide. We can begin to ask God, Lord, soften my heart. Lord, I repent. Lord, I'm coming before you. Help me want what you want for me. Help me choose to do the, help me choose to want to do the right thing. Help me choose to be willing to let it go. Help me be willing to go there with you. He doesn't ask you to do it yourself. He says it's, it's with him. He searches us. We're doing it with him. Number two is the stony places. And I want to sit on this one for just a little bit because this is the inner thing. Last week, I don't know if anybody uh, saw the message from Bill Johnson at Bethel. I'm actually going to post it in the uh, Help and Hope Facebook group so you can see it there. But um, his wife had passed away three days earlier. And uh, obviously, it was heartbreaking. And, um, you know, everybody was standing in faith for a miracle. And, and a lot of people were like, you know, if anybody could get healed, you'd, you'd think in the place where they regularly have miracles, it would be her. Why? What's going on? But Bill Johnson gets up and says this. I think we've got the quote. And he says, The backslider in heart will always judge God by what he didn't do. But those who run with tenderness for who he is will always define him by what he said, what he has promised, by what he has done. I've seen too much of his kindness to think anything other than he is absolutely God and he is always, always good. Isn't that profound? I mean, I, I feel like it's one of those messages that will radiate around the earth because what happens in our brokenness says everything about the condition of our heart. And, you know, it's, it's easy. And some of us have been there. Some of us have gone there. Some of us might be there now where we're resting on a lot of whys. I believe that this would happen. I declared that this would happen. I, I claimed the promises that this would happen and it didn't happen. I am disappointed I am frustrated, I am discouraged, I am hurt. And if we don't walk those things through with God, they become these little stones. And so what happens is the word of God comes, the kingdom comes and it's like, oh yeah, I love Jesus, I'm, I'm just into this. But I don't have the depth to actually sustain the, the, the truth. I don't actually have the depth to sustain what it is that God wants to release in my life. And for some, it's just that it's immature, like we're new believers and we don't have the depth yet and it's coming. And so it's hard, you know, we can get excited and then we can have a disappointment because the heat, the, the fire of life comes and it doesn't turn out like we thought it was going to turn out and we're so ripped and the temptation is to go the other direction and it's just because we haven't had the time to develop that soil yet but I'm telling you there is a there is a situation where even you know, apparently legend is some of the old raiding armies and things that went through you know the Romans when they went into new territory they would do what they called salt the land so they would salt the fields so that nothing could grow there to prove that they had been conquered and sometimes you can be very good soil, but when you add enough stuff to it, it destroys the harvest. You with me? You might have had very good soil, but there have been enough stones come in 
that it has changed the nature of the soil. And what you were back then is not who you are right now, but God can remove it. He can heal it. He can restore it. But every one of those pieces has to be dug up and given back to him. Every point of disappointment, every place of anger, every point of what if, every part of offense, every part of pain, it needs to be walked through with him. And if you picture it like that, you know, Wayne always tells me back in the day, he was the last of his family. He's 17 years younger than his oldest brother. So he got the tail end of the farming thing. But the older kids would regularly, I mean, it was rock picking day or root picking day, which means we've got this field that has the potential to be great, but it's full of junk that has to go. And so we're going to spend the day pulling stuff out that isn't supposed to be there. And, and sometimes it's like that. We have to have those days, those times where we sit with God and go, okay, I know there's potential there. Can we pick the rocks? Can we get those things out of there? Because I need what I'm hearing. I need what you're revealing to me to be able to go deep and to be able to bear fruit in my life. I can't sit in the disappointment. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so some of us have had those disappointments and are honestly, how's your heart? An honest answer would be sick, <laughs> life support. But here's the good news. Psalm 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds, but we have to let him do it. Number three is the thorny places. And this is the place where outer stuff comes in. And I, I find this one very interesting because specifically it says it's he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. He becomes unfruitful, meaning he was fruitful before. Ouch. We tend to look at this as somebody who's not surrendered to God. It could very well be somebody who was surrendered to God, who was living this. You know, when we look at people, it's like, oh, they're so backslidden. We need to really watch judgment because often there is a point of hurt, there's a point of offense, there's a point of brokenness that came in along the way and it gave space and then the pressures, the outside stuff, the, it, it talks about specifically the cares of this world. Maybe your finances, maybe your health, maybe your relationships, your children, your grandchildren, your, you know, whatever. These things have come in and you've given them space. What should have been cast all your cares upon him has become, I'm going to deal with it. I, I, can, I can sort this out. But every time we do that, we allow a weed to grow up. We allow something to come in and choke it out. And so you can find yourself where suddenly you're listening to a message or you're standing there in worship or whatever. And you're like, I feel nothing. Obviously, this preacher sucks. That can't be the case. But um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Could it be that there's so many weeds in the soil that you're having a hard time engaging heart to heart with the Father? 
Could it be that we need to allow the Lord to dig up some of these things? And for some, this means doing like a media fast. It means pulling away from some of the things that are around you that maybe aren't death-giving per se, but they're not life-giving either. And some of that stuff is leaking in. I, I said to Wayne on, on holidays, I mean, you guys know I, I like politics. Um, when people say no religion and no politics at dinner, I'm like, there's nothing else to talk about. I have nothing left. But, you know, so we had our, you know, a perspective um, guy speaking at the uh, arena while I was on holidays. Man, I, I was like on the phone, like, oh, do I go? Do I I'm on holidays. And the Lord's like, you need to clean out the bookcase. And I'm like, I mean, he could be the next prime minister. I don't I just, Maybe I should show up. And, uh, it wouldn't be bad to go. But I don't need the cares of this life when God's trying to deal with the soil of my heart. Okay? It, sometimes we have to say, you know what, the most important thing is what's on the inside of me. And when we look at this, Proverbs 61 specifically says, the preparation of the heart belongs to man. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God, you said, but the preparation belongs to me. It's my job to make sure that the soil is right. I get so focused on where I think God did or didn't, whatever. My job is to make sure the soil of my heart is right. I notice in this whole story, Jesus doesn't say, oh, and then the birds came and ate the seed. You should shoot the birds. You know, he's not like the sun came out and scorched the earth. They need sunscreen. He wasn't like all oh, the weeds and the tares came in. They need Roundup. He's like, no, it's about the condition of the soil. The, the stuff that comes against, it's, that's life. That's just life. Stuff happens. There's things that come around us all the time. There's always going to be hard stuff. There's always going to be things that want to, you know, steal, kill, and destroy. But he has come that we would have life and life abundantly. So my job is to make sure my heart is ready to build life to breathe life, that the seeds of life can come in. So finally, number four is good, healthy ground. Good, healthy ground, it promises us, will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold, it will bear fruit. If you want the kingdom manifested in your life, it is about making sure that the soil of your heart is well and healthy with the Lord. And I love how Proverbs breaks this down Obviously, Solomon was a big, big one on the condition of the heart. He talks about it a lot. But Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to read 20 to 27, and I'll have the worship team come after this. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. You keep the words of wisdom, the words of the kingdom, the words of God in your heart, and it gives life to your flesh. Isn't that interesting? It's not I deal with my flesh and hopefully my heart will catch up. I deal with my heart and my flesh will follow. That's how that works. The outside follows what's going on in the inside. Then verse 23, which we've been talking about, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. In other words, watch what you're talking about. Watch who's talking to you. This, this flow, life and death is in your tongue. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. 
Paul said, forgetting what is behind, pressing on to what is before. Some of us, the greatest key in getting a healthy soil in our heart is letting go. If we're still talking about what happened 3, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, give it up. Like, give it to Jesus. That is, it is time, right? It is time. Move forward. Get going. Even six months ago, whatever happened, whatever you feel ashamed about from three months ago, three weeks, is it behind you or is it not? You know, if Jesus said he, he, he forgives our sins, he says that when we confess our sins, we, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us. We read that the word tells us that God, when he forgives us, throws it as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no more. Not because he's got a memory problem, but because he chooses to remember it no more. Why are you? There's a stone that comes with every one of those things and it screws up the field. It messes up the field and it causes problems. In fact, Hebrews talks about a path that has been destroyed and it talks about offenses and bitterness that causes a root of bitterness and dislocates people. It's not worth it. Keep your eyes straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not ponder the path of your neighbor's foot. But she's not doing that. They don't have to do that. Why, why are they not doing that? I feel like I would be so much more at peace if they were doing this. If they understood this, then I would be better. No, ponder the path of your feet. You got two, they cause you enough trouble. Like... His word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I'm going to worry about if my feet are in the right spot. What about if your spouse and the rest of your family is just completely going in a different direction? Ponder the path of your feet. When you start bearing good fruit, the rest of your family will be drawn to it. You don't worry about where their path is. Worry about your path. That is a good way to get a healthy heart, to put good soil there. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Stick with it. Dig into it. Do not turn to the right or to the left and remove your foot from evil. Decide that those cares, those things that are on the outside don't get to have access to your life. It is okay for us to be a little separated when we're going through one of these seasons of clearing out the, the field. Yes. Like, I just can't afford that in my life right now. Yeah. I, I, I can't afford that situation. I can't afford that music. I can't afford those movies. I can't afford... It's just not a good spot for me right now. Yeah. I'm focused on Him, and I'm allowing Him to do the hard work. And for those of us that don't like to cry, you might have to. Yeah. For those that don't like to feel the stuff, you might have to. For those who have a hard time expressing it, I've recommended to so many people lately, just get a journal. Like, write it out. You can burn the thing afterwards so nobody needs to read it, but just get it out. Get it out and give it to Him. Because yeah. your heart is the place from which everything else comes. It's the center of life, and it's the place He wants would you stand with us this morning? Can we do that altar song again? And I just want to invite you while we're singing it, uh, if, you, if you feel like you just want to come and do that, just come to the altar, bring your heart. But I want to encourage you these next weeks while the world's kind of on a bit of a summer pause, take it. Take it and let him go there.
Do, do the stuff that needs to be done. Let it go. Let him move. Let him heal. Lord, this morning we thank you that you are the keeper of our heart that you are the lover of our soul. I thank you, Lord, that there's zero judgment in this. There's invitation to freedom. There's invitation to life. I thank you, Lord, that, that um, when we don't see some of the stuff that may be slowing us down or tripping us up, you see it. And Lord, you invite us to just give it to you that your yoke is easy, your burden is light. I thank you, Lord, that your heart is a heart of flesh. What you give us is a heart of flesh not a stony heart, the stiffness, the any places of, um, of, of just dryness or stiffness that we feel. God, I thank you that you breathe on that, that you heal the brokenhearted, that you put in that heart of flesh, God, that beats properly again. Lord, that we can see our families, our children, our friends, our coworkers, people we don't even know through your eyes that our heart can beat with the heart of love. I thank you that when we come in and we hide ourselves under the shadow of your wings, we hear your heartbeat and our heartbeats begin to align once again. I pray a refreshing over your people today. And I pray that every dry place, every stony place, every weeded up place, God would be healed in these next days and weeks, that you would restore, that you would refresh, that you would till up as we surrender to you, that our hearts would be soil that is good ground, that we would indeed bear 30, 60, 100 fold the seeds, the produce of the kingdom, Lord, upon the earth, that through us, your kingdom come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I thank you that you don't waste the tears, you don't waste the pain, you don't waste the struggle, but you work all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. So God, I just thank you for working together for good and for meeting us in this place. We thank you for it today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.